0: customary to repeat the readings in the vernacular uh, before the sermon from the epistle of st. Paul to the Romans brethren we are debtors not to the flesh that we should live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh you will live for whoever are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God Now you have not received a spirit of bondage so as to be again in fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by virtue of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself gives testimony to our spirit that we are sons of God. But if we are sons, we are heirs also, heirs indeed of God and joint heirs with Christ. And from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. At that time, Jesus spoke for his disciples this parable. There was a man who had a steward, who was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear of thee? Make an accounting of thy stewardship, for thou canst be steward no longer. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do, seeing that my master is taking away the stewardship from me? To dig I am not able to beg I am ashamed. I know what I shall do, that when I am removed from from my stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And he summoned each of his master's debtors and said to the first, how much dost thou owe my master? And he said, a hundred jars of oil. He said to him, take thy bond and sit down at once and write 50. Then he said to another, how much dost thou owe? He said, a hundred cores of wheat. He said to him, Take thy bond and write eighty. And the master commended the unjust steward, in that he had acted prudently. For the children of this world, in relation to their own generation, are more prudent than the children of the light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves with the mammon of wickedness, so that when you fail they may receive you into the everlasting dwellings. please ensure you take, uh, if you haven't received one electronically, you're welcome to take a um, a bulletin uh, as you leave. You'll notice that um, uh, there is Mass here tomorrow in the Latin form um, at 8 o'clock in the morning. And after that, for the next couple of weeks, there will not be weekday Mass, but there will be the the Saturday evening and Sunday Masses uh, next weekend celebrated by uh, Monsignor O'Connor. And it's an opportunity, I think, also for me to mention our seminarian, Zach, who this is his last uh, Sunday with us. He's at the back, uh, forming the Scholar, uh, together with another seminarian, Matthew Knight, uh, and and our friend CJ Hainley, uh, who's come all the way from Portland uh, safely, I think you made it through, (laughs) uh, to to be with us today. Uh, Married not long, uh, something over a year isn't it? Two, two already. And they have a lovely little, uh, little baby Magdalena don't they? So we thank you CJ for, for leaving Sarah and your little one today to, uh, to be with us. And we have some guest servers today as well who served for me at St. Stephen's uh, in Portland as well so glad to see um, their help with us as well as some of our own loyal crew as well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In recent months, I've been called by people who know that the time of death is near, and who have requested that, as some of them put it, the last rites be read to them. These tend to be people suffering from terminal illness, such as a cancer of one kind or another, or a degenerative disease. And whilst, while such diseases can involve great distress and suffering, one advantage that such sufferers have is they do have some idea of when death might be coming to them. And so their decline is a reminder to prepare for the day of judgment. And therefore they know that the time is near and that they must call for the priest, and make a good confession, receive extreme unction and Holy Communion as viaticum for that last journey from this uh, this world to the next. Whereas those of us who are or at least appear to be in perfect health do not benefit from such a warning. We trust that we are in good health, but we could be called from this world in an instant. Could have a car crash, could suffer a heart attack, uh, be caught in an earthquake, could be a terrorist attack, anything could happen. And the the thing is, would we be prepared? The steward in today's gospel parable was shown, in a sense, great mercy by being warned that his master was returning to call him to give an account of his stewardship before actually actually being removed from that post. And we could place ourselves in the shoes of that steward today. The church, our merciful mother, offers us at this height of this summer season, a reminder first that we are stewards of all that we have here on earth, and secondly that we will be called to account for the goods we have received but have wasted. Rather than living by the Spirit, as uh, St. Paul reminds us in the Epistle to the Romans this morning, the steward of the parable had lived according to the flesh. Having wasted his master's goods during his stewardship, he continues to steal even when he learns that he would be discharged so that he would have friends after leaving his job. The lesson of the parable is not that we should imitate the dishonesty of the steward, but to learn something from his worldly wisdom and be ourselves even wiser when it comes to the life of the spirit. Our lives should be spent living more perfectly the spirit of adoption of sons by which we cry, Abba, Father, for we are sons of God, heirs and joint-heirs with Christ, as St. Paul tells us. Our Lord came among us and died on the cross for us to release us from the spirit of bondage to the evil one, so that we might live as children of the light." The author of The Divine Intimacy gives a a nice reflection on today's uh, gospel, where he says that we, like the steward in the parable, have received from God a patrimony to administer, consisting of those natural gifts with which God has variously endowed us, but also so many supernatural gifts, and all the graces, holy inspirations, and promptings to good with which God blesses us. And the time for rendering an account will come for us, too. And we shall have to admit that we have been unfaithful in trading with the gifts of God, in making the treasures of grace bear fruit in our soul. So how can we make up for this? How can we atone for our unfaithfulness? St. Augustine comments that God admonishes us to use our earthly goods to make friends for ourselves among the poor we do this, the poor will become our friends and will be the cause of our admission into heaven. So if we have failed to show charity to our neighbor, now is the time to do so, to start showing charity, to give to the poor, for we will be called to give an account of the administration of our material goods. But we, and maybe particularly we who are pastors of the church, all but all of us must also consider the stewardship of the holy things that have been entrusted to us. Have we dispensed the treasure of the truth that we are so fortunate to possess and the treasure of the sacraments to others? If someone else finds himself as owing something to God at the judgment because we have failed to pass on our faith to that person, or we have been the cause of their leaving the church, or we have led them into sin by word, deed, or omission, in other words, that we have caused that person scandal, we will be called to account for that on the last day. And we must make up for that while there is still time by seeing if we can rectify the harm done, but if not, by acts of penance and prayer. We know that we may not be able to fix everything, but we must at least. Be repentant. The greatest of the holy things that we have to administer is the Holy Mass. And my hope is that this celebration of Mass in the traditional form will help all of us appreciate all the more what a treasure it is. A treasure that we have no right to disregard, but which must be preserved and handed on to future generations, indeed as we know. The young seem to like tradition. In the Mass, we must give God supreme honor and worship. Nothing less than the best that we can offer. He deserves the best we can give him. In the order and beauty of the Mass, we find the sanity and peace that is missing in the world today. This form of the Mass is enjoying incredible growth again in many places. And perhaps this is a sign that the Lord is coming, and we do not want to find that we have wasted so great a good as this most sacred liturgy. In case you are kind of lost in the book, don't worry. Um, if you're on the right page, that's wonderful. But I remember an old Jesuit priest, uh, t- you know, one of the first times I attended this form of the Mass, and I'll be honest, it took me a little while to, to grow into it. Um, and he addressed this issue of people worrying that they may not know exactly where we are, what page we're on, whether to stand, sit, kneel, whether to actually make the responses or not. Um, he said, just place yourself at the foot of the cross. And think of Our Lady and St. John and the other holy women. Because that's where we are when we celebrate the Mass. We are at the foot of the cross. Do you think Our Lady was worried about what pain she was in? Was she worried about what kind of response to make? Was she worried about whether she should stand or kneel? She followed her heart while Christ the High Priest got on with offering the sacrifice on the altar of the cross worship with your heart this morning and let this unworthy minister Christ priest get on with offering the sacrifice for you for himself of course for all of us for the salvation of the whole world in the name of the father and of the son